0: Now I just want to begin today by thinking about the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, which is what the Bible passage today for our gospel reading is based on, is located just outside the temple walls of uh, in Jerusalem and here are some pictures uh, we only can go off tradition that this was, in fact, the location. It may not have been the precise location. But if not, it would have been nearby and would have been very similar. So Gethsemane means oil press, oil press. And so it's right for us to expect that there would have been olive trees in the vicinity. And of course, what was the mountain that they were on? Well, it was the Mount of Olives. And of course, oil comes from olives. and. So it all makes sense. And when we're having afternoon tea, I've got a picture uh, of Jerusalem, and I'll be able to show you where this specific garden is, and so we'll get a general feel for what is going on. But here are a couple of other photographs as well. They are very, very old olive trees there you are seeing. Um, Starting to look more like an English garden now as we uh, do progress, and uh, and even more so. (laughs) perhaps that looks like one of your gardens but uh, that looks um, very civilized and that's the sort of setting that we are considering today so I'll go back to to this now as we think about this particular passage I want us to start to think about the idea of obedience and I want to put to you the idea or the question are you someone who is obedient to God even if you don't want to do what he wants you to do are you someone who is obedient in that capacity I've met people who are just not they are people who are only obedient to the extent that what they think should happen is consistent with what God thinks happens or should happen and when what God serves up in their life is not consistent with what they desire they leave God So it's a very relevant question for us to ask, are we people who are obedient even when it's challenging, even when it hurts? And of course, the obedience that we're talking about is not what we think God wants, but of course, what he has revealed to us through scripture. And what we're going to see in this passage today is three things. All of these three points are under the overarching concept of obedience and Jesus' obedience specifically. But We know that Jesus knew what was coming and still was obedient secondly we see that Jesus would do the father's will and thirdly we see that Jesus would go to the cross in our place as an expression of that obedience so we'll work through each of those as we go through so first of all Jesus was someone who knew what was coming And I want to draw your attention to the actual text. And let's go to verse 33. That's where I want to really focus. But let's get revved up and uh, infused into the passage by reading what occurs here in verse 32. And they, that is the disciples, went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Okay, so... They've gone out onto the Mount of Olives, towards the Mount of Olives. And then we see that they've got to this place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And then very significantly in the next two verses, we see some great things. And he took with him Peter and James and John. They were the inner ring and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. So we see that Jesus was greatly distressed. He was troubled. And he was sorrowful. Now, that expression, sorrowful, in the original language means he was stretched to the limit. So, so distressed, troubled, and sorrowful. Now, I have a quote there from J.B. Phillips who is a, another translator, of the um, only of the New Testament, it would seem. And what he has said is this, to try and draw out the essence of what is going on. In verse 33 and verse 34, we read this. He took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be horror-stricken and desperately depressed. My heart is nearly breaking, he told them. Stay here And keep watch for me. So you can see in those quotes I've got for you. I think it's on somewhere in the order of service there. You'll find them. The Bible talk quotes. We have this extract. Horror stricken. He was desperately depressed. And his heart was nearly breaking. So he was having great, (laughs) great trouble. He was knowing what was actually going to come. He goes and he prays to his father, not once, not twice, but three times. It's not as though the prayer was having difficulty getting through. But this, of course, was highlighting the distress that Jesus Christ was in in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew that he would be betrayed into the hands of sinners. If you go down in the passage to verse 41, And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest it is enough the hour has come the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners and we've just heard from 1 chronicles chapter 21 in verse 13 that David did not want to fall into the hands of sinners he would prefer to fall into the hands of the Lord or into famine than to fall into the hands of man or into the hands of sinners they are just that vile that capable of evil but he knew that he was going to fall into these hands he also knew that his death would fulfill scripture if you go to verse 49 after we see the betrayal take place day after day I was with you in the temple teaching And you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. So Jesus was in very great distress because he knew what was coming. This is our first point. Jonathan Edwards was a very famous preacher from the 18th century, particularly in North America. And he said this about Gethsemane. It's in your quotes there. Jesus had then a near view of that furnace of wrath into which he was to be cast. He was brought to the mouth of the furnace that he might look into it and stand and view its raging flames and see the glowing of its heat that he might know where he was going and what he was about to suffer. Jesus was given that insight, was given that glimpse. So this is our first point in considering jesus obedience jesus knew what was coming yet our second point tells us that jesus would do the father's will we go to verse 35 and to verse 36 and going a little farther he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him and he said abba father All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So he was there asking for the cup to be removed. Remove this cup from me. However, what we know is this very significant statement. Yet not what I will, but what you will. So he was wanting something, but he was going to be able to settle for the fact that God's will would be something else. He was ultimately prepared to submit to his Father's will. Can you see the obedience of Jesus? He wants something. It's not going to come, but he's Prepared to accept that his father's will would be done. God said no to Jesus. God even said no to Jesus. So God has every right to say no to us. I wonder if this is your attitude of heart, how you do approach God are we more concerned about our will or God's will are we prepared to have God say no to us it's very hard if God is saying no to us if God has said no to us if we look back but Jesus knows our suffering he's gone through a greater form of suffering And he knows our suffering at this very moment. Jesus' response to knowing the Father's will is what we see in verse 41 and 42. He comes back to the disciples a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners rise let us be going see my betrayer is at hand so he is resolved to go forward he is like that person who's come out of distress in psalm 42 which we began our service in in verse 5 of that psalm he is settled in his resolution he doesn't like it but he's settled in the course forward for him We know that he did not resist arrest in response to a sword being drawn to cut off the ear of one of the servants of the high priest. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 52. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? So Jesus had the capacity to call upon his Father to be able to do this, it would appear. But he chose not to to do that, to resist the arrest. Jesus was prepared to do the Father's will. He was prepared to be obedient. So Jesus knew what was coming, but he would do the Father's will. And the third point is this, that Jesus would go to the cross in our place. One scholar who I've quoted uh, fairly consistently as we've been going along on Mark's gospel There's a man called Peter Bolt. And he said this about Gethsemane. It's a paragraph, it's printed there for you. At his end of the garden, Jesus struggled with the prospect of having to drink this cup, the cup of God's wrath. He alone can drink it. It was his destiny. His death will be for the many. That is, it will be an exclusive, place-taking death. He will go where the many will not go, so that the many might never have to go there at all so Jesus would go to the cross he would take our place he will go where the many will not go so that the many that is you and me might never have to go there at all and because Jesus Christ has gone there we do not have to go to the cross even though we deserve to have to go to the cross that work on the cross is so significant in Romans chapter 5 verse 19 which i've also printed for you for as by the one man's disobedience that is adam's disobedience in the garden of eden the many were made sinners that is us we were made sinners so by the one man's obedience that is jesus obedience the many will be made or declared righteous so that is what jesus christ has done for us by him going to the cross by him experiencing that physical and spiritual agony it means that the many are made righteous That is all those who put their trust in Jesus Christ so Jesus was someone who would be obedient in doing the Father's will he would go to the cross in our place now in order to reap the benefit of being declared righteous we need to be people who respond to him by putting our faith in him or putting our trust in him and starting to live For him as our Lord it has occurred to me just in the last 24 hours or so the urgency that is needed in this regard not only for ourselves if that's not the case but also for all of our community and I want to give you three brief examples before concluding first of all I was most struck and have remembered the concept of what went on in a book that I read of Some ladies who went to a church in London, they came. They weren't very well known. They were amongst a 1,000 or 2,000 people going to the church service. But they were there Sunday by Sunday. Anyway, the preacher was keen to know more about them but could never really connect. But one day as he was at the door, one of the women came up and said, My sister's a Christian. But I have heard this good news over the last period of time, and I've put my trust in Jesus Christ, and I just wanted you to know that. Well, she went home, and then the next day or the day after, reports were received that there was a gas leak and a fatal explosion that meant that these two ladies died. And I think the preacher and his wife would think back and were just so grateful for the providence of God in enabling these women well the, the one who actually put her faith in christ in recent times that she actually did do that you never know when our time is up and how clear this has been brought home to me by just watching what's happened to christina fernandez de kirchner the vice president of argentina who you may have heard there was a failed assassination attempt upon her life where a person put a pistol to her head <laughs> she put her hands on her head and it misfired it 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 failed to fire and she was spared she would almost certainly have died what would her state of view have been at that precise moment well if it's not in with faith in Jesus Christ she has a major problem of eternal separation from God So I just want to impress upon you the urgency of responding to what Jesus Christ has done by going to the cross in our place. We only are able to benefit by putting our faith in Christ. And the final thing I want to conclude with is that what Christ has done for us upon the cross is our motivation to go forward and to live an obedient life. When we recognise that Jesus has done this for us, We recognise his great love for us and what that means for us. It's then that our wills can be inclined to be obedient to him in every detail. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ coming into the world, knowing what was to come. We thank you that he was obedient in doing your will to the point of death, and that he went to the cross in our place. Please melt our hearts so that we are obedient disciples to him. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.